That's the fear of the Lord. Lord, give me a bigger picture of your truth of who you are, and I'm going to be in awe of you, and I'm going to worship you, but you're also my God, and I'm going to put my trust in who you are. Well, good morning, church family. As Pastor Mark said, I am Mitch Tucker. I'm the high school pastor here, and uh, thrilled, humbled to uh, to have the opportunity to, to bring the word here this morning. Uh, so we are in a um, kind of a, a larger series, our Abide series, and we have a, a subsection called Ask, and that's to draw near to our Lord in prayer. And if you have those, those bookmarks out, we've been going through a five-part acrostic, P-R-A-Y-S, and we're at the, the last one of this. This is to submit, submit to the, to the Lord's leading in our life. And that's an opportunity that we, we go to Him in, in prayer. Where, where we first say, Lord, Lord, you are, you're our God. You, you're here for me. You sent your one and only son for, to die for, for my sins. And so, Lord, because of who you are, now I, I respect your, your authority. It's your plan. It's, it's your will. And now in, in your name, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask things of, of you. For you to move in a way that, that, that only, only you can move. For you to do things in, in my life and in others' lives that, that only you could do. It's not possible to self-manufacture. And then last week we were with Pastor Steve as he walked us through the why to, to yield, all right, to confess the sins, the things that separate us from between us and the Lord, confessing those sins, knowing that he is faithful and just to forgive all of our unrighteousness. He takes our sin, he takes it outside the camp, promises never to bring it back to, to our account, forgiven done. And I was, uh, I was talking with Pastor Tim a couple weeks ago about this passage and about um, our Abide and our Ask series. And as we've been walking through the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, um, where we get this submission to his leadership from, it says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So Tim and I, we, we were sitting down going over this and kind of uh, exchanging thoughts and as we've been studying this, uh, um, this passage as we were about to move to Proverbs chapter 3. Um, and we said these, these five things um, for our, our, our prayer uh, acrostic, really they are a, they're a package deal. They, they lend off each other, they lean upon each other. And so we, we, we came up with this as we're trying to understand what it looks like in our prayers to submit to the Lord's leading. Really a lot of it uh, starts with that R, to respect saying, hey, Lord, we're going to take this attitude of your plan, your way, your timing, and then as we get down to submit, now it's, hey, that's our attitude, your will, your plan, now, Lord, now lead me. What's my action step after I've had that attitude check, your will, your plan, your way, what's that next step? Lord, give me that boldness, give me that wisdom, whatever it is, you lead me in that way. So it's, it's important for us, let's, let's continue with that mindset as we're praying, as we're going through uh, Proverbs 3, uh, 5 through 9. Lord, where are you leading me? And look, Lord, what do, what do I need to know more about who you are for you to lead as I trust in you? So let's, with that mindset, we get to our first of three points here today. Point number one, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on yourself. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on yourself. 
So we're starting here in Proverbs chapter 3, starting in verse 5. And um, from verse 1, we have this, uh, this kind of image of the human author, King Solomon, who's been given a, um, a divine gift of wisdom and discernment from the Lord. He's sitting down with one of his sons and is saying, son, do not forget my, my instruction. Do remember my, my teaching to you. It's a, um, it's a visualization that is, is very common in the Tucker household. I have four sons who are, are still at home, and I'm, I'm going over teaching and instruction over and over and over, over all the time. And a lot of times it's, it's things like, boys, like there are fruit snack wrappers all over this house. We just talked about this yesterday. You have forgotten my instruction. <laughs> Take all those fruit snack wrappers and let's gather them up and let's throw them in the trash where they belong, right? But Solomon's sitting down with his son and he's saying, son, I've learned so many things where I've trusted in the Lord and I've seen the result, but I've also trusted in self as well. And I've learned some things the, the hard way and I want to prevent you from falling down into those traps that I fell into. So he says this starting in verse 5. He says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. All right. Trust in the Lord. Not trust in self, trust in the Lord. So a couple months ago, Pastor Tim came across this word, trust. In, a, in a, uh, a message that he was given. And so he gave this definition to us. Perhaps you've already written it down um, a couple months ago, but here's Pastor Tim's definition of trust. He says, it is the confidence in the character, ability, and the truth that someone claims. Right? Confidence in the character, ability, and the truth that someone claims. So in Proverbs 3, 5, if we are to trust in the Lord, then our confidence, our reliance, our dependence is upon who God is, his character, his ability, and his, his truth. And we know who our God is because he's revealed himself in his word in a powerful and in a very, very clear way. We know that our God is the creator of all things. And he's not cold and distant because he's also the sustainer of all things as well. He is here. He is near. He is in this with us, leading us and guiding us. He is the savior and the solution to our greatest problem. He is full of grace and mercy and goodness and love and his faithfulness and his promises endure forever and ever and ever. And that's our God. And so when we are to trust in the Lord, that's who we put our trust in. And then it, it goes on to qualify and it says, now, now do this with your whole heart. Do this with your whole heart. Your heart is um, who you truly are. It's not, it's not capable of putting up any type of mask or facade that our outside can do at times, but it's that inner true self of who we truly are. It says with your whole heart, with everything, don't hold anything back. Trust in who you know who your God is. Because the byproduct of that, if we put our whole trust or our whole heart in who our God is, there's nothing left over to trust himself. Because that's the alternative, right? It's if I, if I have a handful of things that I'm going to reserve that I get to call the shots, well, I'm not trusting the Lord with my, my whole heart. It's with maybe half of my heart or with, with most of my heart. And it's we're leaning on our own understanding, we take certain 
issues, trials, frustrations, maybe, and we lean upon our own self and our own character and our own ability. Well, we have weaknesses, we have limitations. We're not the creator of all things, we're not the sustainer of all things, we're not full of grace and love and mercy and forgiveness. And if we're dependent upon ourselves, we might put ourselves in a really, really rough situation. Um, a lot of times when I'm talking to our high schoolers at Ignite and we come up with this word trust, I'll get out a chair or for instance is here, uh, this is a stool, and I'll say, okay, we can look at the stool, we can know and understand a lot of things about this chair or this stool. We can look at it, we can uh, know the year that it was made, we can understand and we can figure out what country it was manufactured in. I can even talk to other people who, has, who have sat in this stool and they can give me their experience. And they're like, yeah, this, this, this stool is trustworthy to support your whole entire weight. And so I have a choice. I can dismiss trusting my whole entire weight upon this stool or I can actually trust. But this is a lot of times how we trust in the Lord. We, we sit down but is this my whole weight? No, I still have two feet on the ground. I have a, I have a backup plan. Now, I could have this, this stool taken out from behind me, and I might stumble a little bit, but I also might not fall completely flat on the ground because I've got a backup plan. I still have two feet on the ground. Now, I'm going to look ridiculous here. But when it says to trust the Lord with your whole heart, don't lean on your own understanding. Saying, don't give any room in any portion of your life where you reserve it for your trusting in self. Give your Lord, because of who he is, your whole heart. So take those feet off. And give your whole self independence upon the Lord. Now, there's a lot of times where we can see something coming and we say, Lord, okay, we're, I know what I'm about to get into. I want to trust in you in that. And then there are times in our life where the Lord is asking us to trust in him and who he is, and we're completely blindsided by it. We learned last week that Pastor Tim's father passed away in a car accident. He was coming down to hunt with him. The chair was pulled out from behind Pastor Tim and the Harkness family. And sometimes the, the Lord allows those things in our life where the, the, the chair or the stool is pulled out from, from behind us. And he says, but still trust in who I am. Uh, my wife Sarah and I, we were, uh, we were talking yesterday about one of our, our times that all of us experience in life where we think something's going to happen. We think the Lord is leading us in a, in a certain direction and then the plan changes and the stool is taken out from behind us, and we, we were blindsided by it. Uh, so before we had our, our four sons, we were living in Iowa, and we went through a little bout of infertility, and it had its own struggles in with, uh, with that, but we, um, after a few surgeries, we, we, we got pregnant. And we were excited. Uh, we, we went and got that pregnancy test, and it was positive, and, and Sarah was pumped, and she was jumping up and down, and I was starting to sweat and trying to get out the calculator and try to budget things. <laughs> we went and uh, went to Sarah's OB appointment, and we saw the, 
you know, that, that, that first ultrasound. We got to take baby's first picture home. We got home, and after a handful of days of just celebrating privately, we started to make the calls, and we started to call up mom and dad, and, and started to, to let other people in and to celebrate with us. A little more time passed, and we're like, hey, let's, let's, let's do something fun. Let's, let's go out and let's shop for, for baby's first outfit, the outfit that we're going to um, put the son or daughter in as we, we bring him or her home for the first time. And so uh, we, we go and we, we, we buy this, this outfit, we bring it home, we put it um, in what's going to be their room as well in the drawer. And then a little bit more time passes. And what we thought was a gain in our life ended up being a loss as we miscarried. Went to the OP. It was a miscarriage. Devastated. We went home that day. We didn't put the TV on. We didn't put a radio on. We just sat in silence for hours. And then it was a time that we're, oh, it's time to go to bed. And Sarah and I it's our first day of our marriage. We, we have a, um, a habit or a tradition that we pray with each other before we go to bed. And it was that time of night. Before we, we called it a night, we were going to pray together. Church, I'll be honest. In that moment, I did not want to pray. I was mad. I was frustrated. I was hurting for my wife in a way that I had never been hurt for her before. I did not want to come to the Lord in prayer. I wanted to sit in that myself. But praise the Lord that his spirit directed me to his truth, to who he is, and Sarah and I, we still remember this conversation we had before. We, we then did pray to the Lord. And we, I said to her, I said, Sarah, this is one of those moments. This is one of those moments we, we've put our trust in Jesus Christ at a, at a young age. We've grown in our relationship with him from one degree of glory to the next. We're in ministry. We um, teach the gospel to, to students. We've memorized so many verses. This is, he is actually true and faithful and his love and his mercy and his grace goes on for generation and forever and forever or we're going to try to figure this out ourselves and the weight of this is too heavy we can't hold it so if we're in charge and we're going to lean upon our own understanding we're going to do some pretty unhealthy things we're going to ignore it we're going to cover it up we're just going to run away from it. But what are we going to do in our hurt, in our pain, in this moment of the chair pulled out from behind us? We know one thing. We don't know the answers to all the questions that we have. But one thing we do know, we do know who our God is. And because we know who he is, we know that he is able. 
he, and only he, is able to carry the weight that's too heavy for us to hold on to. He, and only he, is able to walk us through revealing and giving him all the glory throughout that if we try to lean upon our own understanding, all we would do is run away from it or stumble. We say, Lord, we're trusting in you because we know who you are. And you're with us and you're leading us in the pain and in the hurt and in the absence of answers to questions. We're trusting in you. So church, perhaps you're, you're actually going through one of those moments as well. Maybe you, maybe you and your, your family, where you thought something was going to go a certain way, but now the chair has been pulled out from behind you. <laughs> Whatever it is, let's look to who our God is. Time to <laughs> let go of trying to self-manage, trying to hold on to a weight that's too heavy for us to hold, and time to trust in who our God is in it all. Point number two, acknowledge your God as king over all and the one who has a plan like none other. Acknowledge your God as king over all and the one who has a plan like none other. When verse six, it says, in all your ways, how many ways? In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. All right, this is a proverb. This sounds a little bit like the concept or the truth that actually is in verse five, and that's a lot of times how a proverb works. There's a verse and it means something, and then the very next verse means pretty much the same thing, but using different words and maybe having a different type of, 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 of emphasis to it. And so it says, hey, in all your ways, kind of the same thing almost as with your whole heart, but in all your ways now, Right, acknowledge him. Acknowledge the Lord. So this, this past Thursday, this past Thursday evening, my two oldest sons are in high school and they run cross country. And it was awards night for cross country at their, their local high school. So parents in the room, if you've ever been to your, uh, uh, your junior high or high school um, son or daughter's rewards night, you know exactly what it feels like. You are promised that it's going to be about this long. And you know that they're lying to you because it's going to be about that long. But how they typically go is coach stands up and kind of one by one brings the, in this case, it would be the, the runners up on stage. And they've got like their three minutes of kind of this, this, this nod of appreciation, you know, maybe a little bit of praise of, of their hard work or maybe a short story of what happened during the season. And after their three minutes of being acknowledged before people and their accomplishments, what happens after those three minutes? Well, they walk upon the stage and someone else comes up, right? This acknowledge here that in all your ways acknowledge God is not that. Everyone say not. All right, it's not that. It's not, hey, you know what? I'm going to bring God in for his three minutes. And there's times in our life where we do that. Instead of him being the one in control, we bring him just alongside us. And when we bring God alongside us and not the one that's in control, he now becomes our consultant. God is not wanting us to become 
a consultant in our life. He wants to be the one that's in charge. He wants to be the one that's in control. And not just a few of things in our life, but in all of our ways. Not a consultant, but in control and in charge. And as we learn to give complete control, acknowledging him in all our ways, trusting in him and everything, there's a promise that comes with it. And he says, and he will make straight your path. He will make straight your path. There's a direction. There is the lack of indecisiveness. So there's a, there's a restaurant, perhaps a lot of you have been to, maybe not everybody. Um, I have not been at the Cheesecake Factory for like two decades. The last time I was at the Cheesecake Factory, I think I was in, in college. Um, there's one in the basement of the John Hancock building in downtown Chicago. And when I went there with my uh, fiance at the time, Sarah, <laughs> right. so I should clarify that. Um, if you've ever been to the Cheesecake Factory, it, it is like a book. There's like hundreds and hundreds of pages, and the waiter or the waitress, they give you the normal amount of time uh, to, to make a decision, and especially if you've never been to this place, like, you, I don't know what to, to, to order. And so like, the waiter or waitress came back, and you, you panic order, right? And you're indecisive, and you, you, you order some sort of like double chocolate chimichanga uh, cheesecake for your meal. And you're like, I have no clue what I ordered. It was number 195 on the list. And there's indecisiveness in those moments. God is not indecisive. He has a plan, and it's a direct plan. It's a straight plan. Now, it doesn't promise that it's going to be easy. But it is reliable because of the one who's in charge. Not self, but our Lord and Savior. So it begs the question though, well then how do I know? How do I know if it's his plan or, or his will? So we're about to write down a list of seven things. If you've been here for a number of years, you've heard this list of seven things from, from Pastor Tim perhaps several times, but it's worthwhile to walk through again. So here are seven places or sources to know God's will, right? Seven places or sources to know God's will, right? Number one, we're doing it right now, right? And this is the primary way of how he communicates it to us. It's through his word, right? God will never lead us in a way that contradicts his truth, Let's say it another way. If God's word says something is good, let's not call it bad. And if God's word says something is wrong, let's not call it right. The end. All right? He leads us and he guides us through his word, first and foremost. Then at other times, he leads us to number two, wise counsel of other godly people. Wise counsel of other godly people. I'm a high school pastor, so if I was talking to high schoolers in this room or younger individuals, I'd add a couple words, which would be the wise counsel of other godly people who have done more life than you. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) There's a mom in the room, I can tell. All right. It means they're older, right? All right. Yeah, enough said. Okay, great. Number three, personal passions or gifts, right? Personal passions or gifts. God, he, he gives us gifts, and in, in his gift giving, he leads us in that. 
And sometimes the lack of a gift is leadership, right? If you ever see me up here like playing keys or guitar or singing, something went crazy wrong. I do not have that gift, right? So in that, there is leading, right? Speaking of a lack of gifts, we actually get to number four, which is open and closed doors, right? Open and closed doors. And let's be honest, a lot of times a closed door opportunity can be a little bit frustrating, and it might be frustrating, but it is very clear, right? It is straight, direct, right? Open and closed doors. Number five, the leading of the Holy Spirit. The leading of the Holy Spirit, the peace the truth revealing that only the Holy Spirit brings in our life, that it is he directs us to, to Jesus Christ. Right? Number six, this is something that's rare in 2023, but common sense. <laughs> common sense. As we were going through the, our Revelation series, Pastor Tim said, hey, this is our hermeneutic. If the plain sense makes sense, then that's what it says. In the same case in our lives, all right, if the plain sense makes sense, don't make something else up. Don't add to it. It's common sense, all right? The Lord may be leading that. And number seven, uh, stay true to my commitments. All right, staying true to my commitments. Uh, so two days ago, Friday afternoon, um, I made the trip up, up north uh, to the suburbs to attend Pastor Tim's dad, dad's visitation. And... Um, the church that his dad was actually an elder at for, for decades, the church that, that, that Pastor Tim um, and his family grew up in, was actually the church that, that I attended when I was going to, to college. They hired me on as an intern for, for one summer and moved to my junior and, and senior year. Now, that was 20 years ago. But um, I pulled up, parked on, on the street, walked in, into, into the building. A couple things have changed. A lot of it really just stayed the same. I'm standing in line, and then this, this guy came, comes up to me, and, and I don't recognize him right away, but he calls me by name. He says, hey, Mitch, it was a former student of mine when I was an intern. That person is now the lead pastor of that church. He gets his younger brother, his younger brother's named Dave, and he's like, Dave, apparently they went on uh, Pastor Tim's church's website, and they were a little bit curious, and they're like, hey, I wonder if there's anyone on staff that, that we know. They're scrolling through, and they're like, that's our old intern from two decades ago. And so they were waiting for me. And so Dave came, he was a sophomore in high school when, when I was an intern there, and he said, you know what, I'm actually now the director of, of student ministries. He brings his, his wife, and her name's Carly. And Carly was also a sophomore when, uh, when, I, when I was an intern. And my first question is, wait a minute, how did you guys get married? <laughs> because, <laughs> because she's pretty much just tolerated him. His words were, yeah, I did not deserve her at all. I still don't deserve her. He goes, I was, I was just a degenerate when I was a sophomore <laughs> in high school. And I did not disagree with him. <laughs> and so really for the next uh, 45 minutes, we walked around the church and we, re- we reminisced. And we were, we were literally just walking down this list as we were asking each other, well, you know, what led you to, to this? I mean, the lead pastor, he, um, he has an aviation degree from, from Lewis University. He thought he was going to be a pilot. 
And then there were people in his life. It was actually his senior pastor who kept on saying, you know, I think you're actually called into ministry. He's like, no, I'm starting to be a pilot. I've put all these hours, put all these years. No, I, no, I th- <laughs> think, I think you should, I think you really should look into, into being a pastor. I think you really think you're, you're, you're called into ministry. And just the leading of the, the Holy Spirit and, and time in the Word. And really, we just were just going down this list and just praising the Lord and just saying, Lord, it's awesome when you lead and then when we follow. Actually, this past month, I have sat with a high schooler and with an adult, and they're at a little bit of a, of a crossroads of life. They've got some decisions that um, they were, were searching the Lord's heart, and I literally said to both of them, I said, well, let's just get out the list. Let's just go out, let's just go down the list, and let's let, let the Lord lead. So question, what in your life do you need to work down the list? And let the Lord lead. And let me give you a little bit of a timeline or a deadline. What needs to be gone through the list by today? You as an individual, or maybe as husband and wife, maybe even as a family, what needs to be walked through that list and say, Lord, you lead in your way. What's that next step? We're following your guidance. In all my ways, you're in charge. That is your thinking what that might be, what you might need to be going down that list. Let's get to our, our final point here today. Point number three, commit your respect, holiness, and wealth to the Lord. Commit your respect, holiness, and wealth to the Lord. When verse seven says, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. A little bit similar again, because again, this is, a, this is a proverb. Do not be wise in your own eyes when we take that approach of, you know what, I'm, I'm going to not filter through filter decisions and, and situations, relationships, and friendships through God's word and his plan. I'm going to take over, and I'm going to be the filter. And we become wise in our own eyes. And like helium to a balloon, we start to get puffed up with a nasty little thing called pride. And pride puts this in a really uncomfortable and regretful situation. The Old and the New Testament is clear and says many, many times that God, he gives grace to those who are humble, but he opposes the proud. Pride blinds us to truth. We're not able to to handle what's truly, really going on. And so as we learn to not be wise in our own eyes, it says then, here's a better alternative, hey, fear the Lord. Trust in him. He's going to turn you from evil, turn you from sin, because he's going to direct you on that straight path to him. Now, when I was going to, uh, to Moody, I really wish I remember, because um, so I can give him the, the credit of, of, he was teaching about what it looks like to fear the Lord. And I can't remember who, who it was, um, but uh, um, what I'm about to say is not coming from me. It's coming from a professor at Moody Bible Institute. But he said, when, when the Bible talks about fearing the Lord, sometimes people are, um, they're a little hesitant and they're a little bit confused. And they're like, wait, am I supposed to be frightened of, of the Lord? Am I supposed to be scared in some sense? And the answer actually is no, right? But there are two motions to the fear of the Lord. And the first one is a little bit of, of a taking aback, but it's not taking aback in fear or being frightened, but it's just you're given a, a clear picture of how awesome our God is. And it's a time of awe and of worship as you learn more of who he is 
and your eyes are open up to him and his truth, his love, his grace, his forgiveness, his plan, but it doesn't stop with this backward motion. The fear of the Lord also says, now that's who you are, God. Now I'm putting my trust in you. That's the fear of the Lord. Lord, give me a bigger picture of your truth of who you are, and I'm going to be in awe of you, and I'm going to worship you, but you're also my God, and I'm going to put my trust in who you are. Be not wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord, and he'll take you away. He'll guide you away from your own selfish actions. It says, in doing that, it will be healing to your flesh, refreshment to your bones, because the Lord is leading. He gives a peace, gives a comfort that only, only he can bring. A peace that transcends any type of worldly understanding. A pure joy that we see in James chapter 1 that is bigger and can conquer and can trump any of our trials that we face. A refreshment, a healing, a mending, a fixing of things that we've broken in our life that we're asked to trust, Lord, you take over because you're the only one who could heal this. And then finally, for our purposes today, to verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your produce. To take the position and give the Lord the proper respect, saying, Lord, hey, before this, this sum of money, before it's spent on anything else, Lord, just like in, in everything else, Lord, you come first. So you get the first fruits of it. You get the best of who I, I am and the things that you've blessed me with. You get it first before it goes to anything else. And here and specifically with my finances, with this money. Now, it's at this time that uh, if I were talking to high schoolers in the 309 for, uh, for Ignite, we, we would turn to perhaps a topic where high schoolers sometimes are wise in their own eyes and perhaps lead upon their own understanding and try to handle things in their own way and in their own timing, and at times are a little bit reluctant or slow to completely trust in the Lord in His way, acknowledging Him and trusting with their whole heart. Now, not yet, but I'm, we're about to put up a graphic behind me and a couple of disclaimers that have to come before that. Right? It is a, a pyramid triangle shape. Really, the, the most important part is the foundation, and we'll get to that in, in a moment. And everything ab- above that is the world according to Mitch. Okay? You have to please keep a proper understanding of that. Now, I actually do have some, uh, some chapters and verses that, that go with it. Um, but it's going to make a whole lot more sense if we just put it up. This is the, the Tucker Pyramid of high school dating. <laughs> All right? So remember, um, I... I talk to 14 to 18 year olds, right? And so um, when individuals get into a dating relationship, um, really the most important thing is that foundation. And that's right above the, the title of, of this pyramid that says, hey, if you're going to make anything other than Jesus as your foundation, well, well good, good luck with that, right? Because if Jesus Christ is not the foundation of that high school dating relationship, anything that's built upon it is going to be self-built, and the timing of that relationship is going to be determined by him and her. It's going to be, we're going to decide the people that we, we bring in and we get advice, advice from. We get to steer it. We're in charge. 
But when Jesus Christ is the foundation, he builds how he wants to build, his timing, bringing the wisdom from other people, walking through that list, his way. You know, we could take that, that graphic down as I've completely lost all of you. <laughs> okay, this is high school dating, all right? Now, if you're dating and you're in high school, let's talk. But where in your life do sometimes you choose to be wise in your own eyes? And sometimes we can trick ourselves when we can bring in God as our consultant, but he's really not the one in charge. Because when push comes to shove, we call that final shot. Where in your life, in your times of prayer, and hopefully you're on that second week of that two, two, three, all right? That Tim was talking about a couple weeks ago, two minutes a day, twice a day, for three weeks. In those times of prayer, where is the Lord leading you? Hey, I'm done being your consultant. Put me in charge. It's time. And so let's look to the Lord as the band comes up here, leads us in there. Our closing song in church, let's, let's just together, let's bring it all before the Lord in prayer.